Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, and you can catch Union Street Hoops on iTunes, SoundCloud, and NWI.com. Well, it's Friday, homecoming weekend here at Valparaiso University, and the Crusaders are starting practice. The men's team has gotten underway already. They've knocked out a couple of practices. The women's team are getting started on Saturday with an alumni event where they're going to be having uh, some former players come back and do a thing at the Ark, and then they're going to have a social later on, I think, at Buffalo Wild Wings on Saturday. We're getting going here. Basketball season's coming close. The weather is miserable today, which makes you think you want to be in a gym as opposed to being out doing football or anything like that. Um Earlier this week, I had a chance to go to St. Louis for the annual Missouri Valley Conference Media Day. And I wanted to get this out, uh, at least by the weekend. It takes a little bit of editing to go through all the different interviews and, uh, you know, some of the audio quality. Not the greatest because uh, there was really no room that I could kind of go to that was quiet. Uh, The media workroom at the Missouri Athletic Club where we held this event was, uh, we had pretty much everybody doing interviews and, and podcasts and video and all of that. And so the different interviews that I did took them to the dining area, and and the Missouri Athletic Club is great, but there's a bell that goes off every 15 minutes. The the dining area obviously has got the hustle and bustle of what's going on, players and coaches and administrators kind of filtering in and out and doing things, but still an amazing event, right? Um, You know, looking at the men's side of things, which is is what, you know, really what we do the most on Union Street Hoops. Uh, the general thought process there is that Missouri State is the team to beat in the conference. They are loaded. They've brought in a ton of young talent and a ton of experienced talent as well. West Virginia transfer Lamont West looks to be an excellent player. They've got Tulia Da Silva on the way back, which I believe he'll probably be the preseason player of the year. Um, I would think now we didn't announce you know, the order of finish or the predicted order of finish or preseason all-conference. I'd imagine you're going to see De Silva from Missouri State, Cameron Crutwig from Loyola are, are really going to be a couple of the players that are going to stand out there. Um, you know, there's uh, Der- Brown from Bradley. The guard is a really good player, should be in the mix as well. I think Tyreek Key from Indiana State should probably be in conversation there. And then A.J. Green from Northern Iowa. I would think that will be your top five. Javon Freeman Liberty should be on the second team preseason all-conference and has all of the tools to finish, you know, as one of the top five players in the league. I think you're going to see him there. I think you're going to see... You know, then there's question Copeland from Illinois State. How good is he going to be now that he's got a much more of a focal point there? Um, KJ Riley from Evansville. Uh, what are they going to bring back? There's, uh, you know, you also got the uh, Jordan Barnes from Indiana State. I think is still back, and so he's another one there that 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 could really be an excellent player. I think there's a lot of talent in the league this year. Fizikas, obviously, Ryan Fizikas from Valpo, who we'll hear from in a little bit, another very talented player. There's so many newcomers, though, and we talk about this with uh, with Doug Elgin later on in the podcast. Missouri Valley Conference Commissioner joins us at the end of the podcast today, and there's just so many transfers, so many new players that it's kind of hard to get a gauge as to, to who's going to be good, right? We could easily take a guy like Lamont West and put him on the preseason all-conference team or, you know, it, again, there's there's a lot of talent, you know, uh, 
uh, Cook from um, Missouri State's going to be good. You know, you've got Southern Illinois has got a couple of returning players. Not many, but they've got a couple of returning players. I think Illinois State's got 11 newcomers this year. It The, the conference feels like there's going to be a lot of evenly matched good teams, but there's a lot of unknowns right now. And that was one of the things that was kind of exciting to go through at at Missouri Valley Conference Media Day was getting to know some of these younger guys and trying to figure out who, you know, Cameron Crutwig was there, Lucas Williamson was there from Loyola, Fazekas and Freeman Liberty from Valpo. A lot of guys who have been through the battles and also some unproven guys as well. Uh, A.J. Green was there with Spencer Haldeman and Isaiah Brown from Northern Iowa. Uh, Elijah Childs is another guy who's probably in the mix from Bradley uh, to be a a top player along with Brown. They were there. Zach Copeland was there from Illinois State. Uh, I think they had another another guy as well. One of their transfers was there. Frazier, I think his name is. Um, You know, there's... It was few and far between the amount of newcomers and transfers that that showed up, but uh, it was good. For this podcast here, uh, I wanted to take a more Valpo-centric look because I think there's a lot of question marks with Valpo, both the men's and the women's side. And I know that we don't often talk about the women's team on Union Street hoops, but they do play on Union Street and they do play hoops. So it stands the reason they would be there. So uh, we've got in an interview with uh, with Mary Evans here, and then we've got Grace Hales and Addison Stoller. I'm uh, going to talk to them about what they expect, right? I, I think it's an interesting perspective to hear from Mary Evans, who is coming off her second year or coming off her first year as a head coach, what she learned through that process. And then to have Addison Stoller, who was the breakout player last year for the Crusaders, who didn't play a ton in her first couple of years. She'd had an injury, and then she was working her way back, and to suddenly now be the leading scorer. And then you've got Grace Hales going into her senior year. She's a three-point shooter, and Valpo shot the three-pointer with reckless abandon last year. Set the school record for three-pointers in a season. Seventh all-time in single season in Missouri Valley Conference play. Uh, they're going to fire up three-pointers quite a bit. And I asked Mary Evans about that. You know, did you want to shoot the three as much as you did? And is that a product of the players you have or the system? So we'll get into that. I'm going to go bang, bang, bang on these interviews here without any talking from me in between. So we're going to go from from Coach Evans is going to start things off, and then we'll go into Mary and we'll go into uh, excuse, uh, Grace and Addison. And then we're going to go straight into the, the men's side of things. We're going to, we're going to talk to Ryan Fazekas and Javon Freeman-Liberty and then Matt Lodick. And then we'll wrap it all up with Missouri Valley Conference Commissioner Doug Elgin, who's got some interesting things to say about the league and scheduling some things that we've touched on in the past with Luke Gore a bit, we'll bring Circle back and talk to uh, Doug Elgin about as well. So I'll chime in here at the very end and uh, enjoy these uh, handful of interviews from Missouri Valley Conference Media Day. These interviews were conducted on Media Day, which was on Tuesday. They were conducted from the event, so you're going to hear, the again, the hustle and bustle, of the, the background of what's going on at the event. And so bear with some of the audio issues and, uh, and pay attention to uh, really some excellent words from all of the, uh, the seven interviewees that are coming up here. Thanks for listening. Joined now by Valparaiso women's basketball coach Mary Evans. Coach, get, getting into your second year here with Valpo, what did you learn in your first year? I know we could probably do an hour on yeah. that answer alone, but I guess when you look back on it, your first year as a head coach, what, what, was, what, what do you know now that maybe you didn't know a year ago when you sat in the same ballroom? 
You know, I think there's I know, there's a ton I know. I mean, everything was a first last year. Um, you know, there were a lot of learning curves involved in last year. You know, we tried some things, and, you know, I think the biggest thing that myself and my staff need to do moving forward is, is take the things that we liked from last year and the things that we didn't like, sit down and have some real good conversations about what we need to do to correct those. And those are things that have been going on all summer. Um, but there's, I mean, it's just you're, year one, you're, everything's new. It's the first time you've ever been a head coach. Um, as an assistant, you think you know everything, and then you become the head coach, and you realize how little you really understood about what it is to be a head coach. Was that daunting to kind of slide over to the next chair and, and to realize maybe your voice means a little more with the officials and with the players during the game? Yes. I mean, I think that's the biggest adjustment is kind of you're the final say. It's it's easy to make decisions, I think, from a position of an assistant coach and be like, oh, this is what I feel, and be very strong about it. But when you're the final decision maker and you have – uh, 15 players, four assistant coaches riding on your decisions, it makes it a little bit, uh, a little more daunting. But I think it's something that we've adjusted to, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to year two. A, a couple things stood out to me from last year. The first one is the three-point shot. Uh, you set a school record for three-pointers, I think seventh most in a single season in Valley history. Um, is that a product of the players that you have on the roster, or is that the kind of system that you want to run? It's it's a product of both. I think I would like to eventually get um, some more driving and finishing at the rim involved in our system. I think our system is two parts. Like we try to finish at the rim and we shoot a ton of threes. Um, but I think our team, are, it, it's consists of very good shooters. So it, those are kids that can make those shots. So I think it was a combination of both. I mean, from moving from one school to the other, I mean, we've got really good shooters on this program and, and we're able to get them open shots and, and they made a lot of them last year. And But it will always be a very important part of our game and it's just where the game is going. I mean, you get, it's an extra point on every single shot attempt you take. Yeah. If you make it, you, you're going to increase your points per possession um, and your points per shot. So uh, when you look at the analytics, it's just a very important part of the game of basketball now. And one of the players that you've added this year, she sat out last year, she's ready to go, is Carrie Weinman. Yes. And from all accounts, she can really shoot the ball. Is that the biggest strength that she's going to bring to the table? Um, no, I think Carrie's a very good basketball player. Okay. I think at Denver, um, she proved that she was a really good three-point shooter as a freshman. Um, but I think she's got a similar to Addie in the fact that she can use that shot fake and play off of that. And she's a big, strong guard that can finish at the rim. Um, I've been really happy, um, you know, watching her through last year and now through spring and summer workouts. Um, I think her biggest plus is she is super competitive. She loves to sit down and play defense, um, and she just hates to lose. And so I think that's, you know, adding another really competitive person to our roster. The second thing that stands out from last year is sadly something that has stood out for the last couple of years with the women's basketball program here, and that's been the amount of players in street clothes during yes. the game. You had numerous players uh, who, who were out for the year with injuries. I've never seen quite anything like this before. Uh, but, you know, the, sometimes it seems like the best thing about injured players is they get healthy. Yes. And now you've got Nicole back, you've got Marley back, you've got Caitlin back. Um, just how excited are you to, with those three in particular, get, you know, it's your second year, but it's really going to be their first year right. being able to be on the court for you. Right. Um, I'm really excited to get them back. Obviously, Nicole and um, Caitlin Morrison and Marley all had quite a bit of experience um, before I got here. Um, and so I think you're bringing three experienced players back to a group that got a ton of experience last year. 
Um, I think the biggest thing that we have to be cognizant of is that they are just like freshmen and within our program though, because those three were not able to practice, Marley practiced up until mid-November, or excuse me, mid-October. Um, Nicole really did not practice at all, and neither did Caitlin since I'd taken the job. So, you know, I think part of us this summer has gone back to really teaching again, um, like last year, um, because we are still really young. Even our experienced players are like sophomores because they only have the one year of experience. And with the way we run things and with how we're system oriented, both offensively and defensively, um, each year they're going to get a little bit more experience. And um, you know, I'm excited to see when Shay's a senior and she's been here for, for three years, just where her level of basketball IQ is and, and how much she'll grow over that. But um, really excited to get the bodies back and the competitive nature of all those. Nicole Kinesny and Caitlin Morrison um, love to play basketball. They love to compete. Uh, they're hard-nosed kids. And so I think um, bringing a little bit more of that mentality um, back on the court with the kids that played a lot next uh, last year is going to kind of help us moving forward. Here's a unique question. Just looking at the roster construction, uh, mm-hmm. I've never quite seen anything like this before. You've got Grace White and Carrie Weinman, who both played together at Denver. Yes. You have Caitlin Morrison and Carrie, who went to high school together. You have Elise Pitts and one of your freshmen, yes. Zoe, who played high school together. Is that just a coincidence, or do, is it? Is there something about maybe the familiarity of a couple of your players knowing each other that can kind of, kind of bleed into uh, some good teamwork down the line? Yeah, I mean, I think part of the draw for Carrie Wyman to transfer here um, was that Caitlin was here. Yeah. I mean, she heard about Caitlin's experience here in the classroom and what how much she enjoyed the education and then we had had a chance I had really only been on campus like two weeks when Carrie called me and it was very unique because at the time we didn't have a scholarship so Carrie came and sat out and was a walk-on last year like she paid to go to school for a year to transfer which is a unique situation um, but I think she was looking for the environment uh, the experience that you can get at Balpo from an academic and a social perspective um, as well as just kind of a fresh start with basketball and then um, there's no coincidence like Grace White was leaving Denver and Carrie and her were roommates and they talked and Carrie was told her you know what a phenomenal experience she had here last year and that's kind of what piqued Grace's interest in Valparaiso and we brought her out for a visit and she really kind of fell in love with again the community and the feel and the experience that she felt that weekend here at Valpo. You know, a lot of times as a reporter, we ask questions that I think we sometimes know the answer to, but we need you to Mm -hmm. say the answer. I truly do not know the answer to this next question. Talk to me about Alexis Cohen a little bit. What, how does she get on the roster so late in the process and kind of what is the expectation for her going forward? Um, You know, Alexis um, reached out to us. She's a a local kid from Bolingbrook. Obviously spent two years at JUCO and then went to Florida Atlantic for two years. Unfortunately had an injury mid towards the end of her junior season at Florida Atlantic tore ACL. Um, her rehab didn't go as expected, so she did not play at all her senior year. Um, so she still had the one year of eligibility uh, remaining. She was looking to get closer to home. Um, I watched some film on her. She shot the ball extremely well in junior college. She was a 40 plus percent three point shooter in junior college. Um, and I watched a little bit of her film at Florida Atlantic. And she's just, she's a little different than what we have. She's an athletic kid. She shoots the ball really well. She's got some explosiveness to her. Um, So I thought, you know, it was worth taking a chance on her. She's going to be a one and done. She's a fifth year grad transfer. 
um, and we offered, you know, a graduate program that she was really interested in sport administration. So, you know, I think it worked for both parties. Um, it's an opportunity for her to play closer to home where her parents can see her play. They've never been able to see her play since she left and went to college. Um, you know, and I think for us, she gives us a little bit more of another, like similar to Elise Pitts, a really dynamic defender uh, slashing type of guard. And so I think, you know, for us right now, she really fit a need. Looking at your two freshmen that you have in, they mm-hmm. seem to have a lot of length. Yes. Was that some? Was that a, a primary focus here on uh, and, and looking at them? Yeah, I mean, I know we haven't of the kids we've signed. We're eventually going to get to running our five out system, and we want length. You know, I would ideally like to see us be you know around five eight, five nine at our point guard to six one, six two. You know, these big kids that can handle the basketball, shoot the basketball, drive the basketball that are very versatile, and that's really what we're looking for is versatility and across the board. And I think you know, Caravan Campen, I believe, grew over the summer. She came in. She's just shy of of Caitlin now, um, who is our tallest player, but has a really versatile skill set. Father is a basketball coach in Michigan. Grew up playing. Um, you know, on the wing, she shoots the three, she drives it, but she's got great length, great size. Um, so I think she'll be very versatile, could probably play anywhere from a two to a five for us. Um, and then Zoe Zacher, again, at 5'10", has got great size and great length. Um, you know, she's been a great story. She's had a really tough go of it um, injury-wise, plays, played at a great high school. Um, but I think she has a real upside if we can figure out how to manage her injuries and, and keep her healthy. She was getting a lot of big ten looks yes. from my understanding yeah. and, and so But she's had a few knee injuries and that kind of derailed. And kid played one high school season. We've uh, we've in one way or the other touched on many of the players mm-hmm. here, but I want to go back to Shay for a second mm-hmm. because I felt like down the stretch of the year last year, she didn't look like a freshman anymore. She no. was she you know, especially when Hannah Schaub goes down, you've got, you know, really you needed, some, and Nicole was already out, you needed somebody at that spot. Um, just how how excited are you to see her maturation, even this year? I know you talked about as yeah. a senior, but she looked like somebody who really grew up as the year went last year. She did, and I think, um, you know, she got a ton of minutes, and I do think we talked about this the other day, that as a freshman you're not used to playing this many games, and she did kind of run out of gas late in the season playing 38, 39 minutes a game for us, but she's had a fantastic spring. She's shot the ball extremely well in workouts. She has worked really hard in the weight room. She's put on over 10 pounds right now of muscle, so we've got her um, a lot stronger, and I think that's going to help her as far as being able to to play a whole season. The Missouri Valley is such a physical league, and I think she played against really big and strong uh, upperclassmen point guards last year, and she kind of wore down, and I think the work she's done in the weight room with, with Derek um, is really going to help her kind of have a better entire season. But the kid can really shoot it. I'm excited to see her even be able to move over and play more of an off guard for us. Um, when her and Nicole might be on the floor together, I think. I mean, she was at one point in workouts unguarded shooting 70, 75% from the three in workouts. Um, she can really shoot the basketball. She finishes extremely well. She's a great passer. Um, her upside is tremendous. And I think the, the best thing about her is that she wants to do whatever she can do to be successful whether it's the weight room, her nutrition, she understands she only has four years to play this game and she's willing to do whatever she needs to do to make sure that she's physically, um, mentally um, at her best. 
I think that's a great trait to have. Uh, you know, she's from Wisconsin, so <laughs> that's the way it goes for us. My final question for you is uh, you've uh, you've changed your staff around a little yeah. bit, and, and really one of the exciting things is bringing Danny Franklin yes. back. Valpo's one of their greatest players in program history. Uh, let's talk about the kind of, uh, you know, year one to year two in terms of the staff. Yeah, you know, I think you know some, some stuff happened. We lost one assistant who decided just to get out of college coaching. She's back home um, working at the high school level. Um, and unfortunately, we lost Mary Gleason late here in the last week or so um, for an opportunity to go back to the East Coast. And she's a, she's an Ivy League person. She's been on the East Coast her whole life. And that's just that draw of being there was just mm-hmm. too much uh, for her to say no. Um, but bringing Danny back has been amazing. She's been on campus since April. Um, she's going to be a star in this like she's so good it's Uh, unique because you you guys didn't really know each other you know i mean she's she was valpo women's basketball for a long time right and and then what was that getting to know you like process with her you know i met her a few times before she left to go down to mercer um and when everything happened with taisha it was funny i was taking meredith um hamlet to the airport to go to the final four she was in the so you want to be a coach program so was danny the year before and she mentioned meeting up with danny at the final four and that really was the first time her name popped in my mind for the position so i called her we spoke on the phone a couple times um she seemed very interested obviously in coming back and uh brought her on campus and i just don't think there's a person um that i could have on my staff that is going to be able to sell the Valpo experience better than her on a recruiting standpoint and I think she's a person who was obviously a very talented player when she came on campus but her work ethic really made her who she is um, and I think for an assistant coach those two things like a passion and a love for the place that you're at and a work ethic to go out and do whatever you have to do is the two most important things and she's shown that I mean she's a tireless worker in recruiting she's building her network she's getting out doing the things she needs to do um, She's very thoughtful and intelligent about the basketball piece of it. So um, I've enjoyed her learning our system. And then I think she has a great connection with the players. And she really understands what they've gone through. And so I think she's been really good for them, too, to have somebody really close to their age that's walked in their shoes and can tell them what she did to become a great player at Valpo. Very good. Coach Mary Evans getting ready for the second season. Practice starts this weekend. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you. Joined now here at Missouri Valley Conference Media Day by Grace Hales and Addison Stoller. Addie, thank you guys very much for being here. Grace, you've done this a couple times before. Addie, your first Media Day experience. What are you, what, what are you enjoying about it so far? Um, I think just like the atmosphere. Um, it's just like a fun event to be a part of. And just to see like all the other athletes here that have put in the work um, and are getting this recognition I think is awesome. Grace, you've done this before. Does this just feel like routine for you? <laughs> I'm really, really happy that I'm able to come back. And like she said, I think it's so cool and being able to see all the girls that we play against all year and kind of all being in one place and all the guys from the teams are. It's really cool. This feels early. It's you know, it's it's we're away. I guess practice starts this weekend for you guys. Yeah, um, crazy. You know, we say practice starts this weekend, but you guys have been in the gym a lot. What has what has with the summer off season been like for you too? Um. I mean, with our second year as um, Mary Evans as a coach, I feel like it was a lot more confidence coming into this year. It wasn't any unknowns. We're doing the same stuff as last year, and I feel like that's why I feel like we're already so much ahead than where we were last year. Like, we're all on the same page, and I'm really excited. Yeah. I think we still have done, like, a lot of learning, um, but it's definitely, like, we're going at a faster rate because, like Grace said, like, 
we kind of know her foundation. So now we're just like continuing to build off of that and get even more knowledge and a higher IQ of like what she wants us to do. Grace said the word unknown. Addie, you to a lot of people were an unknown coming into last year. You obviously battled some injuries and, and working your way back from that and you were finally healthy and you had a breakout season. Did did you know that you had that in you, I guess? And that's kind of a silly question. Yeah. But I mean did you did you know that, that you could be the leading scorer of a division one program? Um, I think it's definitely like after you go through all those injuries and they're out for a little while, you definitely like question your confidence. Um and you, you struggle and you go through a lot mentally and physically trying to rehab yourself back. But definitely coming out there and, like, having that season just kind of, like, answered, like, a lot of prayers I had and was just, like, like you're still capable of it, like, no matter what you go through. Um, and Coach Mary instilled a lot of confidence in me, and, like, she still does because it's so easy to question yourself. Um, but definitely super proud of, like, our team last year and everything I personally was able to accomplish. Um, after fighting through everything. so You have Marley, Nicole, and Caitlin who will be in a similar position this year coming yeah. back from an injury. What words of advice, I guess, do you have for them as they are probably feeling a lot of what you just described? Yeah. Um, I guess just trust and, like, patience um, and not to rush it because you get to that point where you want to rush it and you want to get back as soon as you can. Um, but just having, like, the trust in yourself and then the coaching staff that they're going to get you where you need to be at the right time I think is huge. Grace. Mary Evans comes in here and you guys shoot like three-pointers like crazy. School record and three-pointers. Yeah. You are known as a three-point shooter. Is that Was that music to your ears? I mean, do you, how, how much do you enjoy playing in this style of system? Yeah, I mean, it was... Like, it was very unknown, I mean, her coming in and not knowing what the coaching style was going to be or if she even, you know, really wanted any of us on the team here. But when she came in, one of the first things that she said was her style of play is shooting an open three-pointer in a one-dribble drive. And that's literally all I ever do. Like, my whole three years, that's all I do. I shoot an open three, and if I drive, it's one dribble. So when she said that, I was really excited. And, I mean, obviously, it paid off. I've, I've had a really fun year, and I know we all really like it. So I love her style of play. Grace, this is an interesting question because we've talked about this away from interviews before so you guys had an 8 and 24 season Mm -hmm. and you're all very very close with one another your counterparts across the hall had a season with more wins and the whole team splintered off all over the place can you talk maybe about the bond that you have with with your teammates and and how how that could translate to maybe turning this thing around this year yeah I mean, just like for our class in general, I mean, Maya and I are the only ones technically graduating this year, but we all came in as a class and we're all still here. And I think that's just very impressive for how many there were of us. And um, I mean, we were we all recruited together and we just stuck close this whole time. And I think a lot of the our team can say that. And um, with Mary coming in, she, I think, brought us even closer, which I think is hard to do with a new coach coming in. But, um, yeah, no matter what, like, we didn't win as many games as we wanted to last year, but it didn't feel like that. Like, it felt like we were getting better every single game, and I think that's pretty special. You had a couple of young players last year, Elise and Shay. You guys are older. You know, what did you see from those two? And, and I guess what advice do you give to players about to make that jump from freshman to sophomore year? Um, I just saw a lot of confidence and then, like, just continue to build. Um, and just a lot of, like, courage and determination and, like, perseverance. Like, things wouldn't go their way. Like, they were new. Like, they hadn't experienced, like, what it truly meant and, like, what it truly took to play at this level. Um, and they adapted to it so well and took took charge and took their roles and went with it. And I think they did a great job. Yeah. So. Um, I talked to them a few different times about, it. like, freshman year is hard for anybody. Like, all of us can admit, like, freshman year was 
not the best, you know, it's just hard and going from high school to this long season, like freshman year is so hard. So in the middle of the season, I remember like telling that to them, I'm like, guys, like, I know this is hard, but you'll get through it. Like it's, it'll, it'll happen. I want to ask this. It's something that I hope you never have to deal with again, but when you have so many players out, how do you practice? I mean, because right now, I, I believe you have an incredible amount of depth, and so practice can be held a certain yeah. way. But, like, how did you get better during practice last year, knowing that you probably only had seven or eight players healthy at any given time? I think it took a lot of mental toughness. Yeah. And, I mean, I can't imagine what Mary had to have been thinking during that because there was a line between, okay, we just lost that game. We need to get in the gym. We probably should do some punishment running. Like, we should do a lot of different things, but also we can't get injured. And that was just a very hard line. I think Mary handled it well, but it was a lot of recovery, yeah, like, I before games and after Mary games. Mary definitely balanced it very well and, like, was always taking initiative, like, okay, what, we, what can we do to recover right now? What can – like, she was always having us with the trainers doing rehab, prehab, like, ice baths, like, anything possible yeah. to take care of our bodies. And, like – probably like our practice players like props to them like that yeah. to be practiced against a lot like they were always there like always consistent and like always challenging us and we had like four or five show up yeah. every practice that we needed so and our staff has done pretty well too um i think with using some of the budget on food like better food like we are forced to drink protein shakes after every um practice now which i mean i know we don't like it they don't taste the best but they realize that like we need that in us so i think they're making good accommodations to make sure that like our bodies are healthy I want to ask about the staff for a second because you two are in a unique spot where one of your assistant coaches now used to be one of your teammates. Mm -hmm. What's that like to have Danny Franklin back? I just talked about it with Coach here at length. But uh, to have her back from your perspective as somebody who you kind of went through the battles with and now is, you know, maybe yelling at you a little bit. I mean, I get asked that a lot. And what I always say, too, is that Danny Franklin, even though she's one of my closest friends, she – has always seemed like a coach to me. Like when I came in freshman year, she was already, you know, like the best player at Valpo and she's going down as one of the best Valpo players ever. She's always been a coach to us. Like even though we became closer with her, her senior year, our sophomore year, she has always been, seemed like a coach to me. I've always respected her so much. Like I've always kind of like put her on a pedestal, which I think could be a good thing. Like I want somebody like that who I trust to coach me. And she's always given me criticism, so. And we've seen like firsthand, like her passion for this game and like, what she, like she does so much to like better herself and like wants to help other people become their best and so just like having that like grace like we respect her so much and we like trust that she's gonna do what it takes to help us succeed and mary had asked us that before even danny came in and she's like how how do you guys feel about this like i really want her and i said i was like i think you should want a coach that you respect so much and everybody has always respected her so it's going really well final question i know we're a ways away until the season officially starts and a ways away until you even worry about conference play. But what does success look like for your team this year? What what needs to happen for you guys at the end, and, and Grace really for you at the end of the career, to look back and say this was a successful year? Yeah, um, I think like as a team we just talked about we made our core values, and I think as long as we like 100% commit to those core values and like what we have and totally buying into Mary's uh, plan, like continued plan and like our work ethic and just like pushing to be at the top of the conference um, and just striving to get better every day. I think that would make our season go well. Yeah, I just, conference obviously is really important and when we get there, that's all we're going to be looking at. But I think just finishing in the top half of the conference is very important to us and I feel like we're putting in 
a lot of work and I think that we're gonna grow so much every year and I know that you know even when I'm gone Mary's gonna keep propelling this team to high length so I just really hope that um, for my last year and for the girls on the team that we just have a really good season. Grace Hales and Addie Stoller live from Missouri Valley Conference Media Day thank you very much. Thank you. Live at Missouri Valley Conference Media Day, joined by Valparaiso men's basketball players Ryan Fazekas and Javon Freeman Liberty. Javon, it's Freeman Liberty. Yeah. Good. We're done with. with okay. Yeah. We just want to get it. Okay. I'm I'm glad we got that. And it's Fazekas, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, excited to have you guys both here. There was a time when Ryan, we weren't sure if you were ever going to get healthy, and Javon, weren't mm-hmm. sure if you were going to come back. And now you guys are both here. Uh, what's this been like in, in St. Louis so far? Uh, it's been fun. Um, I mean, it's, it's always a great experience to be able to experience a media day. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. Like he says, like always good to experience, even though it's actually like my first time experiencing something like this. So, kind of. It's, I think you and AJ Green might be the only two sophomores here. And I feel like you guys are probably going to be looked at alongside each other a lot. What uh, is. I don't want to say is there a rivalry there, but I mean, again, you know, two freshmen come in last year. Bolt, he got freshman of the year, right? I think. Just what, what, what do you think about some of the younger guys in the league? I mean, I won't call it a rivalry. I mean, we're both players, and we just both love to play the uh, game of basketball. So, Ryan, uh, one of the things that has been talked about here a lot, and, and we've just briefly talked about it a mm-hmm. little bit, is uh, the three-point line has been pushed back. Yeah. Um, you know, some people have said that people don't shoot at the line anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have shot all over the place. Yeah. What, is, what is your take on the new three-point line? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that people don't shoot on the line, but like I was telling you, it, it gives me better reasons to pull up from deeper 30 feet. Like, it's now it doesn't look as bad as <laughs> the three-point line before. It gives me another, what is it, foot and a half, whatever, of just like cushion between the coach and me and we're like why are you pulling from so far <laughs> so I, I mean I, I I think it was a great change um, for a shooter it shouldn't be an issue so and Javon you know after Canada and you guys played so well uh, and your social media is fun to watch when when you have a good game Chicago seems to let you know you have a good game and a lot of the tweets I saw was Javon went and got a jumper this offseason right like what just talk about shooting a little bit from your perspective I mean when I first came in well actually a couple of years, uh, years my junior and sophomore year and then like my freshman year of college I wouldn't say it was hard but I I, I guess I would say like it was frustrating I actually missing shots and a lot of people saying like I can shoot so I mean actually just motivation to me so like this offseason I just was in the gym every day shooting getting reps up. I have a unique question uh, for both of you uh, Javon it's about you but Ryan you've experienced this Javon after your freshman year you looked at possibly going somewhere else and you, you came back to Valpo uh, Ryan you did transfer after yeah. your sophomore year what were, did you guys have conversations or anything like that or about the transfer process or Javon kind of what led you back to Valpo and uh, we we really didn't talk about it much. Um, it's kind of a decision that he he obviously needed to do for himself. Um, and for me, I transferred, so I knew it, it, it's not the best to be um, overwhelmed by all these people's opinions on mm-hmm. what to do. So I kind of just let him 
do his own thing. I mean, I knew he would make the best choice for him, and we're glad to have him back, that's for sure. So. And, yeah, just your process and the whole thing. Um, well, like, a couple, like, I think, I want to say a couple, a couple of days, like, on my phone just calling, the coaches calling me and stuff. I turned my phone off, and, like, I actually sat down to talk to my mom and uncle about, like, places to go or, like, just actually, like, a great fit for me. So they both said here. And then, like, I actually thought about it again, like, the next day. And Texas Coach Vodakin was like, yeah, I'm going to stay. I talked to Daniel Sackey after the Canada trip and uh, for this podcast, and he said, oh, I knew he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and uh, But I, I imagine this is the last that we'll have to talk about that, but it was worth looking at. Both of you guys, we just met with uh, assembled media upstairs, and you guys talked about culture, right? This is the big thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. You have the the me or we before me and then the hashtag one boat is another thing um i I gotta ask this is an odd question because if you're talking about culture right now the idea generally is that you know you're you're trying to fix the culture when did you guys know the culture needed to be fixed and i know that's kind of a loaded question but like were there signs were there cracks in the foundation or anything i guess how did you uh how do you work through that um, I mean, I think it, it kind of came towards the end of the year last year when um, we obviously we started off hot in the conference and then went non-existent. Um, so we, we knew something was wrong. And, I mean, it's always good to have a foundation for culture and have make sure that everyone's bought in um, because that, then we just all have the same goal and we're all fighting for the same thing and we don't have someone that is lacking and it just it hurts the rest of the team so it's been a big emphasis for us and I mean we we've really enjoyed it um we we get a bunch of laughs out of these meetings we go to we learn a lot about each other and I think that just helps with the team aspect and all so Javon you mentioned every Monday morning you guys have a culture meeting what what happens at a culture meeting uh we we just basically, actually, we were reading a book. Mm-hmm. What's the book called? Uh, I, can't, I don't remember. Remember the title? It's about some athlete that yeah. was going through adversity. Yeah. So like, we actually uh, started reading a book every Monday morning, and we just act, like talk about like we have like uh, like little activities where we like actually get to know each other, have fun, talk. Yeah. Watch, watch some basketball. Basketball, yeah. Everyone last year wants to talk about the defections of people that left. I want to talk about the people who have showed up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What, I mean, Javon, you're a sophomore now. You've been through the ringer at least for a year, and now a kid like Donovan Clay comes in. Do you get to take a guy like that under your wing a little bit? Uh, yeah. And, and just he and, and Zion, you know, kind of, uh, at least for my money, have maybe better if not similar hair to you you know like i mean you had the that title unlocked but like just these guys chicago guys illinois guys i know donovan's more from st louis and everything but is there a bond between guys that that come from the midwest there um chicago yeah it's very big i mean because chicago if you play basketball everyone would know you Mm -hmm. so you like people just come up to you what's up javon what's up zion what's up nick especially those two because those two was Played in Chicago for a minute. I was in Catholic, so I stayed in the suburbs. 
But yeah, when I had that transition, it was just like so still new to me because everybody like knew me, and I was just like, oh, who is these people? And you've got Nick and Aaron, guys that have transferred. You've mm-hmm. transferred in Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, any advice for them, or have you, have you? I mean, everyone maybe goes through this a little bit differently. I guess yeah. that year off that you take. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Like everyone, that year off is different for everyone. Um, like for me, it was getting healthy. For them, it could be working on stuff. Maybe because they're in practice every day, so maybe they're using that year to get get a good fit in the team. And I think they've done a good job. Um, I think they're really going to help us, so I'm excited for them. It's been it's been fun having them on the team, so I'm excited they get to be on the court now too. This is uh, one of my favorite elements of your program now is Aaron Gordon's YouTube videos. Yeah. What I mean, he's always got the camera, yeah. and it's always what's good, Javon. Yeah. Ryan, tell the people what's good. Yeah. What what's it like knowing that you basically have like a hard knocks, uh, you know, of the Valpo basketball? I mean, do you have to be kind of head on a swivel when Aaron pulls out the camera? I mean, I, I think it's just, a, again, a culture thing. It's us. We're just having fun with it. Um, it's something that he wants to do in the future, and I think it's a great way to grow his brand. So, um, I mean, you do have to have your head on a swivel a little bit. You never know when you're going to get get some FaceTime on the, right. in the, in the YouTube channel. So. <laughs> the YouTube channel. But, no, we, we, we've had fun with it. Uh I had a chance to talk to Saki a couple of weeks ago after the Canada trip. Now I want to give you guys the opportunity to talk about him because he played unbelievable in Canada. Uh, Javon, what did you see from your backcourt mate and really throughout the offseason and, and really kind of going through the same building process you're going through? Um, well, his freshman year, I probably would say like it was like a uh, – how would I put this? I like a, a – uh, where am I at? Uh, like, like place, like where we be placed at? And I'm sure, like towards the end of the season, he started getting his confidence back, and it led up to now his sophomore season, where in Canada he played terrific. So, to see that shot go in that play, I mean, that is uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, like. Can you guys? I know it's been a month or two. Can you guys kind of take me back through the emotion of that whole thing? I mean, how to make that steal? To do? I mean, you guys were dead in the water. How did you make? How did that happen? It was, it was very tiring. Like that game was very tiring. The whole game, it was hard, tough game. But I saw a chance, like where I knew the out of bounds player threw the ball lazy, and then the person I was guarding had actually stopped to. I kept going through him, stole it, got it and bounced to him. And, but to see the shot go in was, was, very, was very, like, good. If a play like that happened in a, in a game, I mean, you know, Golder hit the half-court shot. We're going to talk about that forever. This is a shot that, like, we talked about for a couple of weeks, but it was in a game in Canada. It doesn't really count or anything. But, like, is that something that still kind of sits with you guys? It's like, man, this, this happened against the defending national champions? Right. Yeah, because, like you said, they're the defending national champs, and that's – like, like we wanted to actually like beat him. I, we heard that there was a lot of talk with him, so he had our mindset on winning that game, playing as hard as we can. Yeah, I mean, just when you think for future references too, when we think back to our Canada trip, it's always something that's going to be set in stone, and it's just the feeling it gave us when it happened. So, you didn't play on the Canada trip. How mm-hmm. are you feeling right now? I'm good and back healthy again. I just was had a little virus. Um, like upper respiratory virus, I was 
coughing real bad and any I, I'd get up and walk and just couldn't breathe so it's probably best interest for me not to play you have had maybe the worst luck oh of, yeah. So yeah what, what does, does that make this year does that make you all the more hungry for this year yeah I mean I'm with my luck I mean I'm just excited to go out there and give it my all I always do um hopefully we can stay healthy but I mean I, I wasn't feeling good like the week leading up to Canada and then just that travel day it, it just came on me full force and I was like yeah it's probably I was hoping maybe get in the last game but just didn't I, I got put on antibiotics kind of late in Canada so it's, it's hard being in another country and dealing with all that so uh, final question for you guys. I know we're a ways away from the season actually starting. What does success look like for the Valpo basketball program this year? Is there a number in mind? Is there a goal in mind? Is there a culture definition thing in mind of what you guys need to accomplish to say this was a successful year? Um, I mean, there's always going to be the numbers, like winning, losing season, how you do in conference, uh, and that's always top of our list. But... I think we're going to go out and compete. Our, our goals are set high for the year. So there's not a game we can't win, but there's a lot of games or there's not a game we can't lose either. So um, just going out there and competing and hopefully come out on top. That's the ultimate goal. Javon, for you? Um, yeah, basically what he said, just go out there and compete and win as, uh, as much as possible and come out on top. And defensive player of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Got robbed. So, yeah. all right. Hey, Ryan Fazekas, Javon Freeman, Liberty, thank you very much for joining us here at Missouri Valley Conference Media Day. Thank you. Live at Missouri Valley Conference Media Day, joined by Valparaiso head coach Matt Lodick. Coach, you are several days away from the start of practice. Uh, just what it, what's this time of the year like? You've got the roster set. You've got the schedule set. You've got – you did this foreign tour. Um is it is it aligning the pieces on the chessboard right now, <laughs> Paul? We start practice tomorrow. <laughs> um, actually, we could start today. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of that. You know, it, we did have a foreign tour. We had ten practices, and so um, we also got to watch our team compete against good competition. So, you know, there's some idea um, of what we're doing. But we're gonna, you know, guys have had some time off. You know, we've slowly gotten them back in, acclimated into, you know being back on the court and things like that. So I want to shake the dust off. Um, and, and we're going to try some new things this year, um, experiment with some stuff. So um, I think it'll be fresh for a lot of our guys that are returning and uh, newcomers, it'll be new. So we're excited about it. When you played, it felt like you got to practice October 15th. Yep. And what, you know, now is you get to do so much leading up to it. I mean, how much team building is able to happen between you know, really even all summer as yeah. well. I mean, it's just, it's a 24-7, 365 thing now, right? Yeah, it doesn't stop. And um, and that's good and bad, you know. So we, you know, we have to force our guys to take time off. We as coaches have to take some time off. Um, because, it, you know, you can't expect 
you know, 365 days a year, our guys just to have it and bring it. Um, you know, we still want them to, you know, experience college. Um, we want them to, you know, be great students. Um, we want them to be, you know, into the community and, and, and involved um, socially. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, process where you kind of give them time off and, and push them. Uh, but once the season starts, and it starts earlier now than when I played, um, it's time to go. You did some conditioning tests recently, and uh, and I think I'm not crossing any lines by saying this. You let me. You told me that everybody passed. Yeah. Uh, what, with those ten practices and the maybe the mindset, both physically and mentally, of what it takes to be successful here, you have uh, you have got uh, you've got guys that are uh, that are that seems to be healthy right now and ready to go just what have you seen from this group i guess just health and physical wise well you, you can learn a little bit about the the valpo family here we got coach evans just came up and 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 dapped my forehead because uh earlier, these are hard questions yeah man but <laughs> earlier today I'm, I'm in the middle of a interview bright lights and all that stuff and i get stopped halfway to and asked to take a napkin to my forehead <laughs> Oh man! You know what? That's why I, when people always ask me about fake news, I say it's in television, <laughs> not in, not in print. We we I don't care what you look like when we talk. Um, but yeah. but yeah, go back to yeah. health wise of the team. You guys, uh, um, it, it sounds like everybody is is ready to roll, right? Ready to roll and, and with the right mindset. You know some of the conditioning stuff that and, and you know I said everyone passed. Well. It's been the first year since I've been head coach. Everyone's passed right away, and I really think that's a mentality thing. You know, one of our one of our tests was the mile, right? And miles hard. You know, we're not cross country runners. We're not track runners. Um, you know, it's fun to see a guy on that third lap because it, it hits him. Like Kaiser doesn't strike me as a guy who's going out running a mile. No, no, none of our guys are. You know, we're not conditioned to be that. It's, it's not. There, there is nothing um, that athletically um, is tested, I guess, in, in the mile that affects basketball, right? We're a, we're a sprint, um, react type of movement, and we're not a runner. But you get to see a guy hit a wall, and they're going to hit a wall and, and how they push through it. And I, I think it's just a little bit of the mentality of our guys. Like, they hit walls, they push through it, and they made it. And, and really, my favorite moment, you know, um, Malik had to make a, a six-minute mile. And he's got 100 meters to go, and it's going to be close. And, you know, Kaiser had finished a couple other guys, and they really run up to him, um, catch him, and push him. They are, like, pushing him across the line, and he made it. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a good team-building exercise, but our, our guys are, are ready to go. When you talk about a wall and pushing through it, you hit a wall with the team last year, and you guys didn't push through it. Yeah. It was a tough, tough yeah. second half of conference and, and finish to the year. And – then a bunch of things splintered off, right? Mm -hmm. People left and all of that. And you've, we've talked about this, so we don't have to rehash all of it. But you've spent a lot of time today, and we talked with, with uh, Ryan and Javon about culture. Yep. You have weekly culture meetings now. Take yeah. me through the concept of what that is and why that's important for your team. Well, it, it, you know, it, it's not much different than what we were doing last year. But, you know, there's an expectation that we uphold, right, and or expect our guys to, to, to meet. And if you're not meeting it, being a part of our program is not going to be attractive or it's not going to be a great fit. And I think that, you know, guys grad transferring and leaving was the result of just maybe not wanting to be in a place that 
that the expectation level was what it was. Um, and I'm not saying that that's not going to be different at their other places, but it might not have been a great fit for them. Um, and and so we are just continuing to hash home who we are and, and what we expect. And um, we understand, again, the responsibility that, um, you know, being an athlete at, at Valparaiso University is or being a basketball player at Valparaiso University is. And, and we expect our guys to have a high standard and, and, and uphold that and represent the university well and be a part of the community and, um, and, and do it with a smile on their face and do it with a selfless attitude. And, and, um, and, and that's where we're at. So we, we talk about that because it's easy to, to, to not be that way, right? It's human nature not to be that way. So we talk about it every week. Might be the only time I ask about these guys all year, just given the nature of how things happen. But talk to me about Brock Pappas and Luke Morrill a little <laughs> bit. And, I mean, Luke is a guy that uh, that I remember when all of a sudden it showed up on social media that he committed to Valpo. And we're like, wait a minute, what's going on? He's five foot two, I think, or whatever. And then, and then Brock Pappas was an all-everything athlete at Washington Township, a very small school in northwest mm-hmm. Indiana. It's been a while since Valpo's had some, you know, a couple of walk-ons on the team. What do these guys do for you? Well, you know, the idea was because because we did get banged up last year, right? That was part of the the, the tough second half of conference. Right? We were injured, um, and so we kind of went into the offseason like we need some more guys just in case of practice. I didn't want to practice anymore, right? As because you were you physically were practicing, right? Yeah, I had to for us to get ten last year. I had to practice um, with Coach Townsend. Um, you know, had to practice, and and so um, didn't want to do that anymore. Um, and and so, you know, being a walk-on is, it, you know, it, it's special. You know, in some ways, right? You've got to, um, you know, the expectation is you're not going to play much in games, but the expectation is that you're going to push guys in practice, and that's not necessarily easy. I will tell you that Luke and Brock are a breath of fresh air to our program. Um, guys really like them. Coaches really like them. Um, they can play. Um, and you know they got in a little bit in Canada and, and performed, um, but uh, um, they're special young men, and, and we're excited they're with us. You mentioned uh, Coach Townsend no longer with the program, but Matt Bowen yeah. moves over a yeah. chair. Just uh, I think longtime fans of Apple basketball have uh, long loved Matt Bowen, and now he's an assistant on the staff. What did what, what did he help you with last year, and what do you look for him from this year? Uh, you know, it just there's there's no substitute for experience, and, and Matt Bowen's got a ton of it. And uh, you know, he was you know, helpful to me uh, on the sidelines, and, um, and now he's getting an opportunity to coach, and he's done a great job. Um, you know, we're, obviously he gets to recruit now, and he's he's hit the ground running recruiting, and, um, and done a great job evaluating, and you know, got some good prospects for us and the future of us. So. Um, Again, yeah, we're excited about him, and, and I really like him. I love his, his demeanor, uh, no nonsense, um, got a good wit about him, and uh, guys really like him too. I was, uh, we'll wrap up here with a couple more and, and then be done, but I, I was surprised as I'm watching kind of all the questions unfold today, there hasn't been more talk about Kansas and what just went down recently. Uh, you know, I, it, it this just feels like a big name, right? Obviously, yeah. Um, we have been waiting, I think, about what the what was going to be the outcome of this FBI thing or whatever, and then all of a sudden now Kansas is there, and there's talk about all these other schools. From your end, just what what do you see, and you know, is there any comment or thought on any of the stuff that unfolds? 
Oh, boy, I got a lot of comments and thoughts. I mean, it, it's. Um, I know that, but the, the, I yeah. know that you're coaching brethren as well, right? And like, the, it's it's, it's got to be unique to. So, you know, the one thing that, you know, as I entered this business, um, you know, I knew that there there would be opportunities, right? To, to, I don't know, like, what's the right word? Um, you know, fall victim to the pressure and and maybe try to get an upper hand and, and do things. Live in the gray area. Yeah, and. I just, I went into the business saying, I'm not going to do that. And, but I also understand the amount of pressure we're all under to win and to do things and, and end quarters. So I think that the answer to your question, or, or I guess, I, you know, the answer, the question was more thoughts, but, you know, there's, there's this um, idea that um, you have to win. And, and wherever that comes from, whether it's the fan bases, the institutions, you know, your, your athletic director, and, and then, um, and then the idea that you're going to do whatever you can. And, and so I think that the answer is there, there's some solution in there where, you know, we got to get back to maybe the purity of the game and, you know, you know being more of a, um, um, you know, educational um, uh, institutions that feature basketball programs and football programs and other things. And, and, and not that we don't win, got to win, but at the same time, um, we can't sacrifice our character. I guess that's that's the best way to put it. No, it's good. It's good. Um, it's just it, again, I think we all coaches, media, fan. Maybe I don't even know if the fans really care about all of this because the fans want to see their teams win. win. And I don't. Yeah. I don't know that the common fan cares where the money comes from, Under Armour, Nike, or Adidas, right. or any of that stuff, right? So it's, uh, it's a tough one. Uh, one final question here. I want to. I want to go back. Um, you, yeah, obviously the struggle the last two years, and. You had a lot of openings and could have, and you're probably under, you are probably under a lot of stress to win this year, right? Um, the program's always under stress to win. Could have gone and gotten a bunch of grad transfers and some, you know, one-year guys, and you didn't, and you went and got freshmen and younger players, guys that have maybe only played the game for a couple of years with the idea of building the program going forward. Is there, uh, was there a thought process? Did you sit down and say, we can go this way or we can go that way and we're going to go this way um the biggest thing paul is just you know valparaiso university is a unique place and unique in in the aspect of um there's just i just don't think there's a lot of places left like it and it's special um and and it fits a certain student athlete and and other than I mean, if you're in this business, uh, you, you kind of know what I mean. You know, yeah. If you spend time at the school, you know what I mean. And and so we need to find those fits. And if they were grad transfers, then we would have taken them. Um, you know, most often, you know, I, I don't know if those are necessarily going to be the right fits at our institution, um, but they could be. You know, we are in an era of, of, of transfers. Yeah. And it's just it's just the reality of, you know, whatever it is. You know, everyone has their own opinion on it. It, it is the reality of it. And, um, you know, I don't think what, you know, with our guys leaving, you know, grad transfers, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of the culture expectations and things of that nature. But um, I just, I don't think it was all that abnormal. I, I do think it was abnormal that we had that many um, that were graduating in that same as year, right? Um, so, um, but again, what we have now is is good fits 
at Valpo. And might not be a good fit everywhere, but they're a good fit at Valpo. They're appreciative to be at Valpo. Um, and they want to be a part of the community. And they want to be a part of, of something bigger than themselves. And, um, you know, that's our main you know, goal in recruiting. Now, we've got to find talent. No doubt about it. They have to be talented enough, and um, but they've also got to fit um, where we're at. And, uh, you know, like we like the direction we're headed. Practice starts tomorrow. Matt Loddick, thank you very much for joining here at Missouri Valley Conference Media Day. Joined now on Union Street Hoops by the Missouri Valley Commissioner, Doug Elgin. Doug, thank you for taking the time. Is this a, How fun of a day is this? Uh, it's great. I, a lot of planning goes into it, and our media relations staff works hard to set it up here at the Missouri Athletic Club. And uh, I think the, the, the reaction from coaches and student-athletes is always positive. It's, a, it's an opportunity for them to kind of tip off the basketball season. It's a trip away from campus for many of for all of them, actually, but it, it really has worked well for us here. So I want to just jump right into it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had Valpo Associate Head Coach Luke Gore on the podcast to talk about their scheduling, and he talked at length, and I actually talked with Mark LaBarbera as well on the same podcast about scheduling, and he talked about the Wofford effect. Mm-hmm. When I say the Wofford effect to you, what does that mean? That means if you're a, high, uh, a mid-major or a low-major, you can find a way to get into the NCAA tournament with appropriately strong and strategic non-conference scheduling it the net seems to have changed everything about college basketball overnight in a way of buying who's getting bought the price of all that stuff it seemed like it seemed like for a while and i'm going to make an interesting analogy here seemed like for a while uh you never wanted to talk about being bought, just like you never wanted to talk about, like, you met your significant other online. I'm not saying you right, did, but, right, you know, this yeah, whole concept right. of, like, online dating was never talked about. This whole concept of being bought was never talked about. You never. Now it seems like people talk about it. You're like, hey, we're, you know, we're going to go get bought a couple times because, or we're going to go buy a couple teams because we're trying to massage numbers here and there. Is that is this a changing of the guard, um, I guess? It may be coming more aware to those outside the enterprise. And and it's it's always been the way of college basketball. It's been happening for a yeah, long all time. Got, absolutely. And now what we're finding is years ago, Purdue played at Missouri State because the coaches knew one another. Yeah. Never happened again. Those types of games never happened. Tom Izzo came to Peoria, Michigan State, and played a home and home series. At, at East Lansing at Peoria. That's because it was gonna, friends in the business, yeah, right? Now it's it's interesting. When Loyola lost to Michigan in the national semifinals, uh, John Beeline was engaged by a reporter from the Chicago, one of the Chicago newspapers. And she asked him, Coach, will you play Loyola in a series? Will you play Loyola? And he said, oh, absolutely. We'll play Loyola. And she said, will you play them home at home? And he says... Well, even at an institution like Michigan, the revenue that we would lose by going on the road rather than playing a home game is significant, and we would not play them at home and home series. So that's that's sort of the way it's, it is right now, and that's one of many challenges that our programs have to compete, to remain relevant, and to to you know make their mark from year to year. Is it uh, has there ever been a, a thought from the league of saying teams we don't like it when you get bought or has that ever been a conversation? Or? Yes. Yeah. That, that's you know we have a a working group we call it the men's basketball scheduling subcommittee. Uh, we reported on their work at yesterday's meetings and 
we think there has to be lim- there has to be limits to the number of games you're going to play on the road for money. And one thing you have to admire about Matt Loddick and Valparaiso, last year's schedule was an absolute bear. Mm-hmm. This year's is very difficult too because they're they're taking on they they have championship pedigree. They are taking on very, very tough schedule, and that's that's certainly they're one of the leaders in our conference in in trying to get really strong non-conference games. And they understand the only the only avenue if you don't win the Missouri Valley tournament make that the State Farm NBC tournament. The only avenue is you gotta you, ha- you got to have a schedule where you play teams that are tournament bound and you beat some of them. That's the only way to get in. So, but it's it's, it's non-conference scheduling is becoming more difficult. It's becoming more of an investment to get to the point where you can conceivably be on that bubble and have a chance to be taken as an at-large uh, team in the tournament. And uh, I think our, our, our people have always embraced uh, being strategic with non-conference schedule. I know when it comes to the Valley schools, it's like you've got 10 children, Mm -hmm. essentially. And I don't know how much you pay attention to each one of their actions. But with Valpo, they had Vanderbilt scheduled to come in. Vanderbilt bought out the game as part of a contract that when Bryce Drew left, that was the thing. But the one that really raised some eyebrows was George Washington bought out Valpo. Is, Is there ever a chance to call the A-10 commissioner or something and be like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, why is, what, why? It just, it struck people in Northwest Indiana as very odd that a school like George Washington, who's probably in the same kind of financial duress as everybody else, yeah. would be willing to do something like that. Well, that, that's, that could be under the, the, the heading uh, investment in Division One basketball. And what George Washington is trying to do is uh, play more home games than road games because yep. you have a greater chance to win. Um, ironic that those two played in an NIT final. Uh, had a little luster to it from that standpoint, as at least the tradition and history of it. Uh, and, you know, that, that was a little bit of a shock to have that happen because it's not a top-tier A-10 team at the, at the present time. And, you know, you're seeing that more and more. NC State bought their way out of a of a return game to Loyola for a very high price, much higher than George Washington paid. Um, what we're encouraging our athletics directors and coaches to do is when you sign a one-for-one, a, one, a home-and-home series contract, or a two-for-one where you might get you know, a high major team to play you, if you go there first, they'll come back. Uh, you go there twice, they'll come back to your place. Have the buyout be prohibitively high. So yeah. in the case of GW, it was probably $90,000. I don't know what it was. But make that 200000 And then if they really want out of it, they'll pay you that. But you'll, be bene- you'll, be, uh, you'll, you'll certainly leave that feeling better about that. And it sounds like from at least what Luke Gore said in the, one of the latest episodes of the podcast is that Valpo's <clears throat> learned their lessons, so to speak. And I think that means doubling, if not tripling, yeah. the price tag. You know, if you have a prohibitively high buyout... All that does is ensure they're going to play you. And that's what you really want. You're not looking to, to uh, enrich your, your program. You are if they don't want to play the game, but you're putting it at such a high level that it might not be quite so painful if they buy their way out of it because then you have the funds to buy other teams to come in and play you. 
I'm sure you've been lobbed this question a million times today. We asked it a million times last year after word got out that the Mountain West had kind of disbanded the, mm-hmm. the challenge. Um, is Are we even in a landscape now where a conference challenge makes sense, or is it kind of grouping together two or three teams from here and there and everything? I think it is more of that. And, and we, Greg Walter on our staff has been very heavily involved in trying to get non-conference series for our teams and, and primarily, first of all, for our better teams to play in these non-conference series. Um, and this year we're getting Davidson Loyola. We're getting Illinois State UAB. Marshall out of the AAC is playing Northern Iowa. Um, we have uh, Southern Illinois hosting San Francisco. Um, Toledo at Valpo. Um, we're, we're getting those types of series in place. It's hard to do that. And what what our, our peer conferences understand, West Coast Conference, Conference USA, Mid-American Conference, Atlantic 10, they understand that unless they engage mid-majors and quality mid-majors, they're going to be coming short, coming up short on Selection Sunday by not playing a tough enough schedule. So it's good for all of these leagues to play games against one another. We were, we were very disappointed that the Mountain West pulled out of our we had eight years of challenge series games with them. Every team got four home games in that stretch. Every team got four road games. And when you look at a school like Utah State, not a lot of teams want to go to Logan, Utah in the winter. So, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense to have those challenges. But the problem, Paul, is that it's hard to find that conference that matches up well with you. Geographically. You have geographics, <clears throat> numbers, I'd imagine. Somebody dates. else said this. I would never say something like this. But somebody else said... Getting a challenge is like going to a dance. You don't want to dance with somebody that's not as pretty as you are. That yeah. was, that's a very chauvinistic comment that a male coach made. But the truth of it is, you, you really don't want to play a league you consider beneath you. Anyone above you doesn't want to play you if they consider yeah. you beneath them. So you got to find that perfect match in the Mountain West and Missouri Valley was certainly a great match at the beginning really was at the end because they were they were benefiting by getting multiple teams in the NCAA tournament we weren't but they were they were they they had the upper edge in that series upper hand in that series but not by a lot and you know again it seems like what is another 10 team league that's out there that makes sense and there's not that many of them you know even so uh i want to one more question I i think this is interesting the league put together a packet of information that they gave out to all of us today that had all of like your returning scores, blah, blah, blah. And the final page of this was a listing of all of the new signees. It was like in four-point font, yeah. and it filled the entire page. Yeah. Some teams, uh, is it Illinois State, I think, has 11 newcomers on their team. Right. This is including some guys that, that have sat out last year and will be eligible or guys that are going to sit out this year and will be eligible next year. But I know we're in a transfer type of uh, era but have you ever seen this many new players in one year to the league i mean it's a, it's i gotta be more than half the players in this league have turned over and obviously we've seen it at valpo a ton oh yeah i mean i, it, I was shocked to see it to be honest with you and i did i did see that illinois state had 11 11 new signees and some of these were young men who had excuse me had come into uh 
that were transferring from other other situations who were sitting out. Yeah. But I did, I did the math on this. And so I, yeah, I see that you you yeah. did the same thing I did. You yeah. have on the notes you have encircled next to each one nine for Bradley, eight for Drake. 63. It looks like we've got 72 newcomers. That's seven per. The valley runs deep with a whole <laughs> lot of. It does, and you know, I, I've said this to several media people today. I think we're being helped more by transfers than we've been hurt in the past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, I think the, the attraction of our league is the brand is strong. I think we have. Thank you much. Appreciate that. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Ben. We we really have uh, coaches who are invested in the league. Coaches who've played here, coaches who've coached here for a long, long time. And I think what we're seeing is we're having some quality talent coming into the league. And I think I think the league is on the verge of another rise in terms of overall strength and the perception of Missouri Valley basketball. Almost all of the coaches are back this year. And I, it, I almost, it almost feels like all of the coaches are back this year. I know we say goodbye to Barry Hinson, but you bring in Mullins mm-hmm. at Southern Illinois. How excited are you to see a, a Valley guy get a chance to be back as a head coach in the league? Well, we knew that he was going to end up as a head coach in the Missouri Valley. And whether he, he could have stayed at Loyola had Porter Moser left, uh, he would have been hired there, I'm certain. He's coming to Southern Illinois now, coming back to his own, his own institution. Um, couldn't imagine a more perfect fit than Brian Mullins at Southern Illinois, considering he really initiated the nickname Floorburn University. He was that type of tough player. Um, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for Saluki Nation. And it means a lot to the league to have a player like that who's coached at other places uh, come back to the fold. And does it mean a lot to the league to have the consistency in head coaches that you see from year to year? Because, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of turnover. There were a lot of a lot of coaches that have changed. But to get Evans, you know, Walter back at Evansville, to get Dana back at Missouri State, you've got a lot of Darian at, uh, at Drake. There's a lot of second, third, fourth year guys now in this league. Absolutely. You look at the, the top end of tenure and you look at uh, Ben Jacobson, who's been there like 18 years at Northern Iowa. Got Greg Lansing at... Indiana State, who's now in the league, I think something like 13 or 14 years as an assistant coach and a head coach. And almost across the board, you're seeing people that have a tie to our league, either as a former player, Dan Muller at, at uh, Illinois State, Porter Moser, who was a great sixth man at Creighton, uh, now at Loyola, been to a Final Four. Um, almost every program has a coach with connections to our league. The pra- practice starts here in the next couple of days. We're several months away from the league. Is there one prevailing thing that has you excited for the 1920 basketball season? Well, I could say the 30th anniversary of our tournament in St. Louis, but it's really just another chapter of, of an ongoing saga that has seen our teams leave St. Louis and the, until Bradley lost to Michigan State last year in the NCAA tournament in the first round. Could have upset a Final Four team. We had won 10 straight opening round games. And, and look, Bradley gave Michigan State oh, a game when I think a lot of people never thought that would happen. They got a, they got a crappy seed, to be yeah. honest with you. And if they had been a 13 or a 12, which I, they should have been, I think we would have seen another upset in terms of the seeding. But, you know, I think I'm excited about the energy in our league now with, with some of the new coaches that are, that are in place. Um, I think there's a... a, a a real feeling, a self-image that's very positive in our league, whether it's the SIDs or the athletic directors or the presidents uh, or women's coaches. 
uh, men's coaches all have a very positive outlook. And the league is really in a pretty good place, financially speaking, when you look at the next four to six years with their contracts with Learfield Sports, with State Farm, with CBS, ESPN, Fox Regionals. We're, we're in a good place. And I think now all we have to see is the student athletes play out the, the season. And I think we're going we're gonna to look at this as a, the first step of a, of a renewal of our league in terms of overall strength in college basketball. Does it get exciting when you see guys like A.J. Green at Northern Iowa and Javon Freeman Liberty at Valpo, these young up-and-coming sophomores who have already had some big moments in this league who now look to be, uh, you know, a, a fun chapter there too? It really does. And, you know, I think one of the best days I've had in the past year was hearing that Javon was coming back and what that meant to Valpo basketball and what that meant to Missouri Valley. Um, you know, A.J. Green was a four-star recruit, uh, could have played at any, at any program in the country, and he chose to stay home and play for the Panthers. And you're seeing more and more in that. We're going to see some of that from Brian Mullins, who has a lot of pull in the state of Illinois. Obviously, his father's involved in AAU basketball yep. in the Chicago suburbs. And I think, I, I think we're in a really, really good place with our campus leadership. Our president's council is engaged. Our athletics directors are... They've got the toughest jobs in America, I think, trying to balance the budget, trying to raise the programs, build facilities, uh, engage the, the fan base and the donor base. Um, and I, I just feel really good about the place that our league is in right now. Missouri Valley Conference Commissioner Doug Elgin, thank you very much. Enjoy the next couple of months before we reconvene here in March. Thank you, Paul, for coming. We appreciate you being here today. Thank you. So there you have it. Great thoughts from... Grace Hales, Addison Stoller, Mary Evans, Javon Freeman-Liberty, Ryan Fazekas, Matt Loddick, and always a great time to talk to Doug Elgin. We're about three weeks away from basketball. That's insane to me. October 19th, Saturday, 5 o'clock, Valpo taking on Cedarville in an exhibition game. And then a couple weeks after that, Toledo will show up. If you're wondering again how all these games showed up on the schedule— Go back to one of the previous episodes of Union Street Hoops where I talked to associate head coach Luke Gore, who does a brilliant job breaking down the schedule and letting you know why Cedarville's on the schedule, how Toledo got there, why they're going to St. Louis and SIUE early on. I actually, this is an interest of full disclosure, I do these interviews as they happen, I go back, I edit them, I, you know, but a lot of times I'm editing for audio and, and different things. As I was driving to St. Louis the other day, I actually went back and listened to the Luke Gore interview. And I know it's odd, like, I, you know, listen to an interview I conducted, but I actually listened to what Luke Gore had to say. And I, just, I thought it was really good. I actually shot him a message and said, hey, thank you for that again. It was just really, I thought that was really good. It was educating and entertaining. And I think that's what, what we can ask for. So we've got, we're moving into, uh, you know, they're practicing now and, uh, you know, we'll tr try to figure out exactly what Valpo is going to do going forward here as they uh, prepare for this season. Lodic, again, as he said, that they're going to try some new things this year. I don't know what those things are. I actually kicked myself when I was going back listening and editing through the Lodic interview because one of the first things he said is we're going to try some new things. And, and I moved on to another question. I had it in my head already. And I, I, I wish I would have stopped myself and said, what are you talking about? What new things? That's something that, that we'll learn together as we go. So thank you as always for listening to Union Street Hoops. Give me a follow on Twitter, NWI Orin. You know, let me know your thoughts on the team going forward and what you expect. And uh, this should be an exciting, exciting ride. I, I say this, I don't know how much Valpo is going to win, and I don't know how much they're going to lose this year, 
but I do think it's going to be entertaining to watch along the way. And really, when you're a sports fan, isn't that all you ask for? Thanks for listening. Catch you guys later on.